0: welcome to the homes politicast i'm thomas and i'm jim and today we're going to be discussing some of the headlines from the week we'll be discussing dark money in politics and we'll be going over the state of the state address it's going to be a fun show today so thank you so much for tuning in
1: All right, Governor Whitmer says no more waiting. State to borrow $3.5 billion for roads. The Michigan Transportation Commission approves the $3.5 billion in bonds to fix the highways and bridges. The Michigan legislature passes a remote pharmacy legislation, and several education bills are advancing in the Michigan legislature.
0: All right, that sounds great. Thanks, Jim. So an article came out about uh, Republican... Nominee for the Michigan Senate seat, John James. Uh, His campaign is accused of coordinating with a dark money group. Uh, Article came out on January twenty fourth, 2020. And the article is by Malachi Barrett. A complaint filed with the Federal Elections Commission alleges likely Republican U.S. Senate nominee John James and a nonprofit organization run by a former campaign manager worked together to attack James' political rival. So N Citizens United was the person that made, or was the group that made the allegations against John James. Or they accused a former official working with John James of not leaving enough time in between leaving the campaign and starting to run political ads. So there are laws dictating when you leave... A political campaign, you have to wait a certain amount of days. I believe it's 180 days before you get involved in uh, either attacks against uh, an opposing candidate or support for the candidate that you left. Now, the article here, the uh, or the ad was run by Better Future Michigan, and it says that Peters will eliminate your health care, your your health plan. But the article makes very clear that the ad did not call for the audience to vote against him. So that's going to be a be an important distinction when the FEC looks into that. And we'll be discussing this a little bit more fully in our opinion segment. Uh, we have a, a very similar article coming up about uh, actually Gary Peters. So uh, we'll be discussing that article in just a little bit. Jim, you want to bring us
1: in with a headline? Yeah. Um, The Governor Whitmer Whitmer says no more waiting the state to borrow $3.5 billion for roads. Governor Gretchen Whitmer announced Wednesday that Michigan will borrow $3.5 billion to rebuild the state's deteriorating highways and bridges for five years, calling it a fiscally responsible move after the legislature rejected her proposed fuel tax hike. The Democrat unveiled the bonding plan during her second annual State of the State speech to lawmakers. It will enable the State Department of Transportation to do about twice as much construction on I, U.S., and M-numbered routes as as it can now, she said. The funds would not be used to repair local roads. I'm going to use the power of my office to do what I said I was going to do, because for me, for Michigan... Impatience is a virtue. No more waiting around to fix our roads, Whitmer said during her address at the Capitol. And then in a related story the next day, um, the headline came out, Michigan Transportation Commission approves the $3.5 billion in bonds. The State Transportation Commission acted quickly Thursday on a request from Whitmer, unanimously approving up to $3.5 billion in borrowing, to help fix major highways and bridges. The bonding will allow the Michigan Department of Transportation to increase the cost of its five-year road and bridge plan to about $7.3 billion from the $3.9 billion, Commission Chief Administrative Officer Laura Mester said in an audiovisual presentation. The revenue bonds to be sold over the next four years are expected to be issued with a 25-year payback at interest rates of 2.5% to 3.5%. Over the next five years, the money raised from the bonds will be used for major upgrades on state highways and bridges that are critical to the state's economy and carry the most traffic, Mester said. First, state officials will work with bond attorneys to create an official statement about the bonds which is similar to a prospectus for investors, MDOT spokesman Jeff Cranston said. The first sale of bonds is likely to be in the $500 million range and take place in late spring to early fall, he said. The money will allow MDOT to add 26 new projects to its five-year plan and enhance 23 projects that were already planned. In addition to those 49 projects that will be paid for with bond revenues, Another 73 projects will be accelerated or enhanced, officials said. Revenues raised through the sale of the bonds can only be used on major state highways, ones with US, I, or M in front of their names, not on lesser highways or local roads. One criticism of the plan is that the bond money can't be used to fix local roads or highways under the jurisdiction of counties and other local governments. Commissioner Chris Yatuma, noted that heavy trucks bounce when they hit rough pavement. Commissioner Chris Yatuma noted that heavy trucks bounce when they hit rough pavement, dramatically increasing the wear on roads. That's why it's important to keep roads as smooth as possible, he said. The commission also voted unanimously Thursday to reinforce at lower interest rates bonds that were issued in 2009 and 2011. For a combined estimated savings of more than $17 million. Bond payments from the Michigan Department of Transportation State Trunkline Fund are $118.4 million this year, but without new bondings, they are projected to drop to $74.9 million in 2023. The state can handle about $300 million in annual debt services and stay within set limits, officials said. That's
0: pretty interesting. Uh, so all these bonds are only going to fix state highways. That's that's what I'm getting out of this? Yes. Huh. Well, we will be discussing that more fully in the opinion segment because this is news, not opinions. So as I was uh, talking about earlier, uh, Senator Gary Peters is also accused of using dark money. I know we've talked about this on the show before, but M Live has an article from December 10th of 2019. So this was actually uh, a part of the John James article uh, pretty far down. The allegations against Peters are that his campaign posted video and generic pictures and information on his website that the... The action group votevets.org was taking that material and using it to create ads for Gary Peters. So, obviously, this is a problem that, you know, it goes to both sides of the aisle. Both Democrats and Republicans do it. So, again, like I said, we'll be discussing this more fully, looking at the impact that it has on elections um, and all that fun stuff in our
1: opinion segment.
0: Jim, you got another headline for us?
1: Yes. The Michigan legislature passes remote pharmacy legislation. You could soon have a new place to get prescriptions filled here in Michigan. That's because the Michigan legislature just passed legislation that would allow for what's known as remote pharmacies. Here's how it would work. Parent pharmacies, staffed with full-time pharmacists, could open up a maximum of three remote locations. A pharmacist at the parent pharmacy would then use real-time audio and video to review a prescription before it's dispensed at the remote location by a pharmacy tech. The remote locations could only be open if a pharmacist at the parent pharmacy is on staff. Senator Kurt Vanderwall from Ludington sponsored the legislation. Ultimately, the benefit is our northern rural communities that have, that have no access to pharmacists or prescription drugs, or the knowledge, and the pharmacist will now have the opportunity if a parent pharmacy that appeals can open in that community, said Vanderwall. A remote pharmacy could not be located within 10 miles of a regular pharmacy. If the bill becomes law, Michigan would become the 24th state to allow remote pharmacies.
0: All right, thanks for that, Jim.
1: So MLive has another article
0: posted on January 28th Titled ballot language to include LGBT Michiganders in anti-discrimination laws, okayed by state board. So the initiative is backed by Fair and Equal Michigan, and they are gaining a or they are sponsoring a petition, um, trying to gain signatures, and the petition would redefine the word sex in Michigan Elliott Larsen Civil Rights Act to include sexual orientation and gender identity or expression." So the Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act currently protects people from being discriminated against based on religion, race, color, national origin, age, sex, height, weight, familial status, or marital status, and uh, the initiative would redefine sex, as I said before, so that it would include anybody within the LGBT community. This would stop um, employers and renters from discriminating against anybody based on any of those things. This isn't the first time that the Elliot Larson expansion has been tried. In 2014, former Representative Frank Foster introduced a bill to add sexual orientation to the list of protected groups, but the effort did not go through. So the next year, in 2015, Dana Nessel launched a ballot initiative, that sought to amend the Constitution to include gay rights. Um, There was some bipartisan support, but ultimately it didn't go through because LGBT activists preferred the legislative route rather than changing the Constitution. So we'll be tracking that as it goes through the legislature, and we will be bringing more updates to you as it unfolds. Jim, you got another headline for us?
1: Yes. Several education bills are advancing in the Michigan legislature. The handful of bills that would impact learning across the state are moving through the Michigan House Representatives. Five bills, House Bills 4269, 4271, 4282, 4826, and 4856, are currently at varying stages and would make changes to the revised school code. House Bills 4269, 4271, and 4826 would amend the Michigan merit curriculum, thus updating graduation requirements for students. In House Bill 4269, it would add a section to the revised school code dealing with 21st century skills. It lays out a set of courses that could be used to satisfy a requirement of the 21st century skills education. The approved credits would be a grade appropriate language other than English, which includes American Sign Language, any time between kindergarten and 12th grade, visual, performing, or applied arts, computer science, computer coding, or a combination of the two, or a Michigan Department of Education approved formal career and technical education program. Students would need a combination of three credits from among these areas. In House Bill 4271, it would adjust mathematics classes required for graduation. It would maintain a requirement for four math credits, but would remove Algebra 2 as a required class. Instead, students could opt-take to statistics or financial literacy class as an alternative to Algebra 2. In House Bill 4282, it would allow students to fulfill requirements for health education through training by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. The bill would allow students to take 30 hours of training through a state-approved career and technical education program to satisfy the health education requirement. The bill also replaces requirements for visual, performing, or applied arts and world languages. House Bill 4826 would require schools to include a program of instruction in free enterprise and entrepreneurship in 8th grade curriculum. The Department of Education would have to adopt or develop a model program that is project-based and includes instruction on a variety of subjects, including business vocabulary, business basics, and creating a student project-based business plan, among other things. And lastly, House Bill 4856 would amend the Revised School Code to allow a teacher to have an endorsement or grade-level certification on their teaching certificate to be nullified if it had not been used for seven years. Currently, teachers may do this after 12 years. All right, thanks for that, Jim. We've got one more
0: article here from M uh, MLive. Uh, the article is titled, Roughly half of insured Michigan drivers won- wouldn't choose to opt out of no-fault coverage, survey fines. So obviously this is a survey, this isn't, as representative of the population as we would like, but it shows kind of a a disenchantment with Governor Whitmer's proposed way to end auto insurance or to lower auto insurance. Um, the statewide online survey was conducted by market research firm Escalant. Um, it was done in September, and it found that 51% of insured drivers s- surveyed would not fully opt out of the personal injury protection insurance. So it's possible that this revision doesn't have the impact Governor Whitmer was expecting. Uh, We'll be discussing that more fully in the opinion segment. And that's the news we have for you from this week. So come on over and join us in the opinion segment, released probably Friday. Uh, (laughs) We'll do our best. So we will be discussing the State of the State address that governor whitmer gave um, in our opinion segment as well so thank you for listening review rate us subscribe uh, do all the things that help us stay on the air we would love to hear your opinions Uh, so email us if you have any suggestions for articles um, anything you'd like us to discuss or anything you think is worthy of getting out there to the people of michigan thank you again for joining us i'm thomas and i'm jim we will see you on Friday for the news segment. Opinion segment. Good thing you got that, because I already stopped recording. <laughs> oh, gosh.